I want to welcome everyone to the AdCast. Today, I have a good, good friend, someone I've been following on social media. Her name is Belatia Wallace. She is successful, a very successful personal injury attorney, and she's based out of Houston, Texas, with offices all over Texas, from Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and an office coming soon in Beaumont, Texas. We are going to talk about family, friendship, leadership, what it means for her to get up every day and do what she does, and this is the AdCast. You're listening to the AdCast. There's three things that I tell people to focus on. That's your budget, your media, and your message. People go call it the truth. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. If you hustle, you'll never go hungry. Hustle and motivate. Hustle and motivate. That's why they follow me, huh? I think I know the way. You're listening to the AdCast. All right, everyone, I want to welcome you to a special edition of the AdCast. I have a wonderful person, uh, Miss Belatia Wallace. Uh, I wish we can give her a round of applause right now. Everyone give a round of applause for Miss Belatia Wallace. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So, Ms. Felicia, you know, I, I talked a little bit about exactly who you are and what you do uh, in the intro, but I want to make sure I get your resume, your impressive resume done the right way. So would you be so kind to introduce yourself to the AdCast audience? Sure. Well, again, my name is Felicia Wallace. I am a personal injury attorney, and I like to also qualify myself as a trial attorney. Um, just for Texas statewide. So I do have multiple offices throughout Texas, but I started my career actually as an assistant district attorney for Harris County and then moved on to work in personal injury on the defense side. After having tons of trials there, I actually beat one of my opponents um, who then offered me a job, which switched me into the plaintiff side of personal injury, and I just fell in love with it. So I know this is really where my heart belongs, and I really love advocating for my clients. And that's where I am today. You know, I, I hear that, you know, that one part sticks out the most about advocating for your clients. You know, what is it that motivates you daily? What is it that motivates you daily to say, you know what, I am not tired of doing this yet. This is what I'm made to do. What, what is it that gets you up and motivates you daily? I feel as though if, if I am not getting up every day doing what I need to do, I feel as though almost my... Um, action that I take on my cases is really needed. In other words, someone could be in pain, hurting, um, dealing with a horrible situation that's contingent upon my movement, that's contingent upon my action, that's contingent upon my advocacy for them. So it it translated in a lot of different areas. Even in law school, I had the same mentality. Um, It wasn't more so in regards to law, but even in my daily, day-to-day actions. So I would do things such as giving a homeless person breakfast every morning. So I knew that if I slept a little later, that person just might not eat. Um, So it's the same context, but um, more so in a professional field where I know that if I'm not getting up every day, somebody else could be, you know, hurting. And that could be based upon me moving, based upon me being obedient and living out my purpose. Now, you just said, that's just, wow, you blew me away. You said, if you slept late, someone doesn't eat. If you slept late, that means someone could just not eat. So do you ever feel like, uh, you know, as a as a personal injury attorney, like 
Like you put a lot of pressure on yourself to say, I have to get this done for someone else. I have to get this done for them. Do you feel like it's, I have to deliver for them daily? Do you ever feel that? And then uh, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. Like, is there is there a point where you just feel like you have to take it to another level and just push yourself in your entire firm for every client? Um, I always feel as though I have to take it to the next level. Primarily, one, with me being so rare in the field, it's rare that, I mean, I've had hundreds of cases. I believe in all of my cases, I may have encountered one black female personal injury attorney, and she wasn't even on the plaintiff's side. Um, in my field, I feel as though I have to almost set the bar, work harder than the next person, do um, things a little differently. Something may start at 7 o'clock, so I need to be there at 5.30. Um, there's a different approach that I take, and I really take a hands-on approach in all of my cases and having relationships with my clients, which is something I feel like other people apart. So when I have those relationships, um, there's more of a connection there to where I'm not just working for a random case, but I'm working for a person that I actually know, that I feel as though I could feel their pain and the things that they're going through. And it, it really benefits them in the end. You just said something that I want to dive into, if you don't mind. You said you're rare in your field. You said you're rare in your field, and, and I resonate with that. I'll tell you why, because I'm rare in my field too, right? Yeah. Do, do you ever feel the pressure like you have to be better? Like, okay, I walk in in the morning, and I don't want to say good morning. I want to say great morning because you deserve better than a good morning, and I can't be good. I have to be great. Do you ever feel that, that pressure because you are rare in what you're doing? I mean, I've had situations where people will literally say, I mean, come on, let's be, let's be um, real, Miss Wallace. You've only been practicing for so long. And I say, okay, well, let me send you an invitation to the trial we have coming up. And the whole impression will change after they see your skills, after they see that age or the years of experience have no basis as to what you can actually do. Right. Um, I actually like it, to be honest, when people underestimate me because that's probably – the worst thing that anybody could ever do in their career if they're going up against me. To be honest, I'll be completely honest. I love and that. Being boastful, but it's just like, I mean, you will never, you will never forget um, the the experience that you had because I, I know firsthand impression. A lot of people think, oh, look at, you know, she's coming in here all stuff and she's not, you know, going to be a real advocate. I put on a show for all of my cases. Um, it's not theatrical or um, fake in any way. But it really is something that I know people are surprised to see. So um, I, I actually love it. I'm used to it. But, you know, hey, it's just, it's just, part, it's just part of the whole uh, concept of being a young black female in the, in the field of personal injury. So why, why are you rare? I, I've, I've done work with a lot of personal injury attorneys, right? And you are, you are correct. But why are you so rare? And especially being so good. So I really feel as though I am not one to back down from a challenge. Um, when I first started in the legal field as an assistant district attorney, a lot of times the idea is that, okay, you need to um, watch 100 trials before you have your first, um, or you need to have five people sit with you in a trial because you can't handle it by yourself. I am not fearful about taking on a new challenge, trying something new, because that's what makes me better. Right. Um, in addition to that, I actually like going to trial. That is something rare for any attorney, regardless of age, race, background. 
most attorneys do not like going to trial. I actually love it. So because the majority of the majority of them settle. Right, exactly. And I'm I because I've worked before being on the plaintiff side, on the defense side, I know what the insurance companies think. A lot of my close friends are insurance adjusters or defense attorneys on the insurance uh, side. And I know what it's like to prepare for trial on that side and the things that they're hoping, you know, will never happen in the case. And a lot of attorneys do settle and it's really to the demise of their client. Um, I've had situations where the offer on some things will be so extremely low, it's almost insulting. And then attorneys will transfer their cases to me to actually handle the trial for them and they get a substantial award or even a settlement. Um, so I, I, I love it. I love it. I just love the field in general. I love what I do. I absolutely love trials. So that's just part of who I am. You're blowing me away right now. You're blowing me away right now. And, and and I know this. I know the majority of the cases, especially in personal injury, the majority of them are, they would settle. You are sitting here saying, right, like, look, I will fight. Like, you know, I'm not just going to use that as some tagline in an ad or a video. I really would fight. And I'm not afraid to go to court. Absolutely. And I even tell people that. So one thing that's also different about me, um, just because I've worked with attorneys on both sides. I know that a lot of times they may make the the blanket little threats like, well, we're going to go to trial. And then at the end of the day, they just settle for pennies on the dollar. Um, for me, you know, I always tell people, if I say we're going to trial, we're going to trial. This is really your last opportunity. And, you know, they may, you know, try to play the field back and forth. But when I say what I say, I, I mean it. I don't like to play games. Um, once it's set, it's set. So there's not really any backtracking because at that point, now you've wasted more of my client's time. So the mm -hmm. price is going up at this point. Um, so it's, it's part of a negotiation skill, but it's also realistic. So I don't like to play the games that a lot of others play, uh, when it comes to, you know, talk about going to trial. So, and I have a track record behind it. So, you know, a lot of times they'll say, oh, you've never even been to trial. You know, most attorneys over a course of a lifetime, Maybe may have five to ten, and within my first few years, I had around twenty, and that's bench and jury trials, multiple days, and those are solo trials, which is rare to have. But I, I just love the experience overall. You learn something new with each experience. Now, how do your clients feel about that? Knowing that you know when they hire you, you are really truly going to go to the mat for them. Do you have to explain that to them, or do they know that from your reputation, like? Don't mess around with her. She she really will go to trial. Some some know. Um, it just depends typically on how they're referred. So if they come directly to me, I have direct clients, meaning that they've hired me directly uh, from either what they've seen, what someone else uh, told them, but also have clients who have come from other attorneys where attorneys say, I don't want to go to trial. I don't know anything about trials. I'm the settling type of attorney. Can you take this case for me and take it to litigation? Um, those, they may not know about me before getting the case, um, but all of them throughout the process, I keep them in the loop, keep them involved as to what's going on. And I actually, I can't tell my clients what type of offer to take, but I do give them assurance in knowing that if they do not feel comfortable with a particular offer, that I'm willing to go to the end for them and not just force them to say, you should really take this, which is a lot of times what they've been told by other other firms just because they want to close it out and they don't want to go to trial. Now we talked about you being rare. I, I want to come back to that. I want to come back to that because I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot in there. So you now you look back and you can see 
some younger females who are just like you? What do you tell them? Oh, wow. I would um, tell them to go after everything that they have a vision for. Whatever it is that God has placed as a vision for you that you see, don't feel as though it's too far-fetched because you've never seen anyone else do it. That's kind of where I was in a lot of different places and spaces where I'm just like, maybe this can't be done because I've never seen it before, but I have this idea. How do I actually, you know, make this happen? But it's possible. You could just very well be the first. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just means that it hasn't been done yet, but you may be the one to prove that it can be done. So I would say to any young black female to set the path if you don't already see a path and just lead the way for others to follow behind you. Um, teaching others so that you're not, my goal is never to be the only one ever in the world. You know, when I pass and my time has gone, I don't want to be the last black female, young black female personal injury trial attorney. So I do have others who I may mentor or who I um, have reached out to me for advice and wisdom. And I think that's important as well, especially in our um, career field where it can be a lot uh, or very competitive every now and again. Do you think, uh, you know, some young black females are afraid to be fierce when it comes to handling a case, a trial, anything? Or do some, do, would some people be afraid to be fierce at all? I think that it's a lack of opportunity versus a lack of will or desire because a lot of the ones who come to me, the, actual conversation is more so along the lines of, man, I want to get courtroom experience. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, to have courtroom experience or litigation experience, you have to first know how to file a lawsuit. You know, this is a step-by-step process that doesn't just come with saying, oh, I'm strong and I I have oral advocacy skills, but you don't have the practical skills to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Because from a case being filed, at least in Harris County, Mm -hmm. to the time where you may actually reach a trial, maybe two years later, um, that's average to actually get into a trial versus versus in some other counties. So I think it's more so just the opportunity and the knowledge to get to the point to where they need to be. And I feel like that's kind of where I could step in to help them because I think naturally, and this is just really how I feel, as, you know, many young black female attorneys, they have that, that power, that presence where, all they need is the ability to be in the room and they could, they could set it ablaze, but they have to get in the room first. So that's, that's kind of the challenge that I think that we're facing um, within this community. Wow. What, what is the hardest thing about being uh, an attorney? And I'm not going to even ask you about saying being a female attorney. And I'm going to tell you why, because I think that I think a lot of women can do things that we can't. We can't. And I think women are, you know, there's going to be some people that get mad at me from listening to this. Women are stronger than men. They are stronger than men. And I think a lot of things that you are better than us at men. And I'm not trying to make this divisive at all, but I don't think there's anything that a woman can't do. Point blank. I'm just going to say that. Um, But I, I want to ask you, why would some be discouraged of even getting as far as you have, because I'm sure I want to ask you, why would some even be as discouraged to go as far as you have? Because at some point I would, I would believe that some people are kind of discouraged. They're afraid to 
go to that next level to where you are. Do you agree? Can you hear me? Barely. So, like, why would... It was fading in and out. Okay. Uh, why would why would some women be discouraged to go to that level? Do you think it's because what they see is mostly men attorneys? Uh, absolutely. I, I think it's because they don't see anyone who looks like them. When I go into a courtroom, the majority of the time, there are older white males. Mm -hmm. I've been in a courtroom before, and it's, it's sad to say this, where a lot of times part of my experience also comes with studying trials. So there are times where I will go into a courtroom and I'll just sit in the back, you know, and judges will say, oh, are you here for anything? No, Your Honor, I'm just here observing. Um, and I'll sit in the back and I'll watch. Wow. And I remember a time being in the back of the courtroom where still with, again, older white male attorneys, and here comes a black female who walks into the courtroom. And I see them nudging each other, snickering, like, look at her. She doesn't know what she's doing. And they're laughing. And she goes up to the front to do her oral hearing, and she kills it. Um, she started off being very formal to where it was pretty obvious that she wasn't familiar with this, uh, with being in this particular level of a court. But she had all of the strength. She had all the power that she needed, and she won her hearing. And when she walked out, I mean, I almost wanted to just, you know, put my hand out to give her a high five, like, good job, girl, you know. But it changed their expression once they saw that the ruling was in her favor. So I think a lot of times it's just the fear of, you know, feeling as though you're not enough because you're not the same age or um, you don't look the same and they may have more seasoned experience. But years of experience compared to feel are two different things. Um, and I just, I feel like that's kind of where it is when you don't really see anybody who looks like you and you don't really have an example um, to, to follow. Because it's hard, it's hard having the presence of, I guess you could say, a strong black female, but knowing how to properly tone it down while also not minimizing your case. That wow. is a huge challenge, especially for me, because I know my facial expression, I feel like in the inside, I'm smiling or I'm happy. And people can say, oh, you know, what, what's wrong? Like, nothing. I'm happy, you know? <laughs> but I don't I don't naturally know that my face may not be showing that all the right. time. So um, I think that's that's important. Um, that's, that's even more so a reason why, you know, I may bring people along with me when I'm doing different things um, case-wise. Man, I tell you what, it, I think you and I could talk for days. We could talk for days. Um, what we're going to do right now is we're going to pause right there. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about what keeps you motivated and also poetry as well. All right? This has been the AdCast. Today's show is sponsored in part by Craft Creative. Change your creative. Change your world with premium video production and graphic design. Get started by visiting WeCraftCreative.com. You don't need a marketing agency. You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. To stay up to date on the latest marketing news, subscribe for email updates at veryimportantplacement.com. You're listening to The AdCast, the podcast for marketers and advertisers with your host, Eric Elliott. 
Now, I am back with uh, my guest, Miss Belicia Wallace of the Wallace Law Firm. She is actually located in Houston, Texas, with offices all across Texas from Dallas, San Antonio, and soon coming uh, Beaumont, Texas, too. She is also an award-winning injury attorney and a certified mediator. She is busy. Let's just say she is busy. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does it. So let's talk about how you do do it, okay? How do you do it? Can you hear me now? A little better. Okay. Just All right, so l- let's talk about how do you do it. And that is, I mean, you are, you're all these things ro- rolled into one. Uh, we talked about, you know, younger black females on how they would feel discouraged going into it. And you juggle it all. You juggle it all. You are still mom. You have a beautiful young son that I've seen, handsome young fella that I've seen. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about the times that we're in right now. The times that we're in right now. Do you feel like you have more to prove, especially with the times that we're in right now, Belicia? I feel as though... Um not necessarily that I may have more to prove, but that I'm also going to have more to learn. Um, culturally, from just different backgrounds, because I feel like that's where we need to bridge the gap. A lot of the things that have been coming, you know, been happening um, just race-wise and culturally, I feel like it's a part of us not having a sit down relationship to understand one another. Mm -hmm. And some of the comments that have been made or um, the feelings that people feel um, are, you know, a lot of times people may have their own commentary on certain things, but it it may a lot of times be based upon their past experiences Mm -hmm. and they don't understand why we feel the way we feel because this is a lifetime of dealing with trauma, racism, um, people, categorizing us in a way that they should not simply based upon the color of our skin. We've been dealing with this since childhood through, you know, adulthood. So when we see things like this happen, whether it is someone getting murdered or someone getting beaten um, unjustifiably, it stirs up those same emotions that mm-hmm. we've always had, but then it also creates a feeling that's almost like indescribable. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we get to a point where we can have, uh, an understanding of one another and more so for them to see the things that we go through on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll, it'll help bring clarity to um, some of the things that have been shown in the media. Do you, how do you release? How do you, how do you find release, um, you know, to kind of just, just step away from everything? How do you do it? How do you release from everything? Say that one more time. How do I find? How do you find release? How do you just, you know, kind of just become one again? Do you just kind of take a step back from everything, regroup? How do you do it? Especially in the times that we're in now, because there's so many different things that are happening. How do you release? First, I have to pray. Um, With me, I think as being a mother now with a son, a black son, it's, is different than it would have been five years ago when I was just, you know, a black female. Mm -hmm. But now I'm looking at it from the standpoint of what I need to do to make sure that my son is educated, even at a young age, as to what's going on. And where I find my peace is really through prayer, reflection, 
and just sitting back and trying to find solutions. I'm very solution based. So mm-hmm. I'm not the type who's big on let's just everybody let's just keep talking about it, but we're not going to do anything about it. Right. Um, and so I look more so at the perspective of what can we do? How can we be involved? Um, what can my title or background or experiences somehow be utilized to benefit my community? And I feel like that's the approach that we all, all kind of need to take. In the midst of all of the hurt and the pain, um, there has to be a solution somewhere in there for each one of us. Do you have a, do you have a mentor that you look to for advice in the legal community? Actually, my probably I would not a one-on-one, just individual mentor from the personal injury side. Mm-hmm. More so, it may be those who are on the defense side, which has been more beneficial for me because just where I work on the defense side, I have those secrets and, you know, the experiences and things like that. So things are ever changing on opposite sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And because I have those relationships with different defense attorneys and insurance adjusters, I still have kind of like that inside um, perspective as things evolve throughout the legal, the legal field. Mm-hmm. So now what are some of the hard things about running a firm? I mean, you're, you're about to have four offices. What is hard about running a law firm? Wow. Well, definitely the overhead is, is huge. You know, I'm sure everybody would say that. Um, probably the balance of doing what I was already accustomed to doing, which was having a big caseload, mm-hmm. but then handling or managing everything else outside of that. So I'm, I'm very much so hands-on, but I'm not um, a micromanager in any way for any of my employees. But I do like to have full knowledge as to everything that's going on within my firm. I think that's important for any entrepreneur to know how to really do everything um, for your entire firm. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge is doing what I'm already accustomed to doing plus learning things along the way, whether it's things in regards to payroll or, um, you know, different office spaces or different taxes, you know, things that people don't really talk about. Right. Um, Those aren't the things that you learn in law school. Yeah. Things that you do not (laughs) learn in law school. Right. (laughs) They need to do a course on that. Right. Maybe, maybe I should go teach one, right? I'll go teach one. Please. I'll go teach a a course (laughs) on that. So now when you, let's just say you, you pass a bar, you, you go hang a shingle, um, so now it's then what, how do you bring in cases? Is it, is it important to market your firm? It is important. I think it's even more so important to do a great job on your cases because just as important good marketing is and could really benefit your, your business, mm-hmm. negative marketing can as well. And when I say marketing, I mean, from a perspective of not necessarily what we do as a firm, but. I also look at my former clients as being marketers for my firm because when they got good results, they're going to tell somebody else. That Absolutely. person is going to tell somebody else. So a lot of times, many of my clients come from word of mouth. Like, oh, I heard you did this for one of my friends, and I really wanted to hire you for my case. Um, it comes about a lot of times that way. Um, I think that once somebody is a client, they could then do the correlation between what's seen 
on the internet versus what happens in real life. Right. And so I like to make sure that, you know, my clients have that firsthand experience, that it matches. You know, right. it's not just an ad, but this is, you're experiencing the positive results that are, you know, being discussed, whether it's on the website or on social media or anything like that. Is it important for you to make sure that your firm stands out? Yes, absolutely. Because especially in Houston, I mean, you can't, go two blocks without seeing probably five ads right. in relation to car accidents mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it is important to stand out, um, but to stand out as your own, it's not about being competitive or anything like that. It's really about being yourself. I feel like um, every attorney should have something that they do um, in a special way. I'm not perfect. No attorney is perfect, but every attorney should be able to say that there's a quality about them that should draw others to them. And I think that's what they should kind of hinge upon versus right. just saying, Hey, I'm a car accident lawyer. I could fight the insurance company, but I mean, what makes you special? There are a hundred car accident lawyers out here. Why should I choose you? And I think that's really the, the focus. So why should someone, someone choose the Wallace law firm? Well, for me, um, in my firm, you'll get a firsthand experience. One thing that's different with uh, my firm versus a lot of other firms, I don't pass on my clients to my paralegals or my staff or interns. They all have 24-hour access to me. Now, wow. That's another thing that we didn't, you know, that you know comes with being having your own firm is I do give people 24-hour access, whether it's call, text, email, or anything like that. I don't mm-hmm. want my clients to feel like they can only reach me between the hours of 8 to 5. Wow. Or there you um, go. if something happens on the weekend, mm-hmm. they can't reach out to me. No, anytime. Um, now, that that could be a challenge, you know, when it comes to being an entrepreneur, but it's one that I would gladly accept because I want to always be there for my clients uh, whenever they're in need. And a lot of times it can go beyond the case perspective. So mm-hmm. I have, because I have relationships with my clients, they may tell me about other things going on, going on in their lives that could have a legal correlation to where I'm not going to necessarily charge them for, but I'm still going to help them with it because I know that that may be something that they're in need of. Um, so things like that, I think um, is what sets me apart is that you're going to get a firsthand and exceptional customer service for sure but that you'll also have me actually working on your case and not, you know, people who you've never met, people who you've never spoken with, Mm -hmm. or just, you know, hey, let me let you talk to the paralegal or anything like that. I don't think that's fair, and I don't think that's why they would have chosen my firm. What do you feel is one of the most successful ways to be able to let people know about your firm? that one more time what's one of the best ways that you feel uh to let people know about your firm i mean in marketing is it like doing tv radio ads what do you think is best for your firm for me outside of the direct client the ones that have worked best for me are my website and social media um and i think it's because it's so big that people could just easily share it um there used to be times when people would say, oh, well, you know, get on doing some print type of ads. But, of course, we're all going digital, especially during oh, COVID. Oh, yeah, have to. A lot of people, yes. So it's, it's a blessing, you know, that we have things like this, such as Zoom, even for your field. But the ability for somebody to be able to, I guess, access your credentials or your background at any right. given point, just, you know, through their phone, it is very convenient. So having that option for them to reach you multiple ways or send messages to you multiple ways 
has been beneficial um, specifically with my firm in regards to marketing. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what we want to do. I think when we get off this line with Belicia, I need to talk to her like so much more. (laughs) There's a lot that we could talk about. And I think you and I can do this for days. What I want to do is I want to take our final break and I want to go to what we call the lightning round. Okay. You hear that? You you hear that? You hear that? And so when we go to the lightning round, we're going to come back and I want us to talk about different parts of media. We'll talk about radio, TV, newspaper, billboard, direct mail, even yellow pages if you want to talk about that. All right. So we're going to take a break and come back with more of the ad cast. You don't need a marketing agency. You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. To stay up to date on the latest marketing news, subscribe for email updates at veryimportantplacement.com. Today's show is sponsored in part by Craft Creative. Change your creative, change your world with premium video production and graphic design. Get started by visiting WeCraftCreative.com. You're listening to The AdCast, the podcast for marketers and advertisers with your host, Eric Elliott. Now, I am back. Uh, this is uh, The AdCast. I had my wonderful, wonderful guest, Miss Belicia Wallace of the Wallace Law Firm located in Houston, Texas. Now, I want to ask you, Miss Wallace, um, we didn't talk, we, we mentioned this before, but let's talk about poetry. Are you a poet or do you do you frequently write poetry? And how did you get involved in poetry? I wrote my first poem when I was five or six. And I still have it, which is funny. It's like on this, that's back when I had, we had the typewriter, it was that kind of thing. <laughs> so I still have it. I wrote my first poem when I was about five or six. So I typed my first poem. Um, and then I wrote regularly as probably all the way through high school, um, even through college. Uh, really, now, if I'm writing, it's more so for someone else because they're, they have some kind of event coming up or they want something published for some, some honor or annual event, and I'll do it. I'll do it that way. But I've been writing since childhood. I love it. I saw it made you smile, so I think that we found another release, yeah. another release that you have, <laughs> right? So we did say we're going to talk about um, this is going to be the lightning round, and I want to ask you about different mediums. You hear it again, so I want to ask you about different mediums. So, and there's no right or wrong answer here. So when we ask these questions, I want to kind of know like what is your opinion on these mediums? And you mentioned social media earlier, so I'm going to start out with social media. What are your thoughts on social media? That's an open question. My thoughts on social media? Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's a great source for, you know, connections and relationships to be built. It's excellent for marketing, free marketing for any business. Um, but you have to be very careful with social media because I always feel as though, you know, once something is out, it's out. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though you may think you deleted it, it's, it's a little trail somewhere roaming around on the Internet of what you did. Um, so it's something to be very careful about, but it's something that could be very rewarding if it's utilized properly. I always tell people that the Internet is instant, constant, and permanent. The minute it is instant, constant, and permanent. 
when, yeah, when, you, when you put something out, it is instantly available to the world to see. They can constantly go back and forth to it, and you can never delete it. I don't care if you deleted that tweet or that post. People can always right. find it. So you got to be careful what you put on the Internet. If you're not comfortable putting it on the front page of the newspaper, don't put it on the Internet. That's what I always That's tell people. Right. So <laughs> now we just talked about social media. Let's talk about television. Do you think television is effective? As far as marketing? Yeah. I think it is, um, especially if it's during, I guess you could say, prime time for certain things. Like I remember seeing um, specific um, ads during or commercials during the Super Bowl. And it's just like, oh, you know, I, I will literally watch the Super Bowl sometimes for the commercials because, you know, they're going to be good. Right. But if you do it in a... I feel like in a good way, you know, not running an ad where it's four o'clock in the morning where people may not be up, even though people could still see it. Um, I just think it's all about strategic and marketing as to where that ad is going to be placed on television for it to be effective and effective for your market. Because I do know those, especially here in Houston with the Spanish speaking community, they definitely utilize um, media such as Telemundo mm-hmm. um, here in Houston to uh, get the word out to their particular niche market that they want to reach. How about billboard advertising? I love billboards. I have one coming. I have one on the way. I have to send you a picture. Yeah, I, I want to see that picture. So you yes. like you like billboard advertising. You feel it's effective. Oh, and so I actually have one up. But from what I've seen, it seems to be effective because the ones that are at least here in Houston, especially in San Antonio, they, they pretty much stay put. Mm-hmm. So they haven't really been taking them down um, or really moving their locations. So apparently it seems to be working um, for the ones in those markets, at least. Well, how do you feel about radio advertising? I think it could be good if you have the catchy slogan. So I'm not going to give anybody any free advertising here, but there <laughs> are some in particular that quickly come to mind. And even though they may sound cheesy, you know, it is memorable, to be honest. And I think that is the goal. As long as your um, approach on cases and the way that you handle your cases is not cheesy, you know, I can, I, I can appreciate it. I can respect it. Um so I, I think it can be effective if it's done on a regular and consistent basis. You so talk, you, I have a few that come to mind like quickly, and I think they've done an excellent job. With ho- their hopefully it's our ads. Radio. Hopefully it's our ads that huh? you like. I said hopefully it's our ads that oh, you like. Of Y'all are the best. Number um, one. You know? And now there was a time uh, when every attorney felt they had to be in the yellow pages, right? Um, what do you, what do you think about the yellow pages? I can tell you the yellow pages I have have tread marks on them. I don't know why I keep receiving them on my driveway, um, because they continually get like ran over. We still get deliveries for like the little, the little books. Um, I don't, I think it could, it could work for some people. I know that I would, I don't ever plan on using Mm -hmm. any yellow page um, ads because I'm always looking at what would I do and where would I be looking and my current clients that I have, where are they looking and what are they doing? And um, especially with a lot of younger drivers or people who are being injured, they may have never even heard of the yellow pages to be honest. Um, So 
I, I don't think I would ever plan on doing anything like that. So the last one I'll ask you about is Google ads. How do you feel about Google ads? I think Google ads are good. Anything with Google seems to be pretty much top notch to be, <laughs> to be, you know, completely transparent, but it is, that's one of the things with marketing that can be very pricey that a lot of people might not, you know, be aware of when you see those things that say ad and you click on it, you know, and people, the people who are hosting that ad, they're paying per click. So it's not something that you want to do lightly if you, you know, would like to take that route mm-hmm. um, because it can be very expensive. Now, speaking of expensive, is it important for, especially when coming out, when you're hanging a shingle and starting your firm, is it important to have a sufficient marketing budget to be able to market your practice? I think so. I think that is important. And I know everyone may not have it starting off, but I think that that is good practice to set funds aside for marketing. You never know what could come about. I mean, even us, you know, being here today, you just never know what type of opportunities or platforms may come up to where you may need different types of resources or a team to assist you. And I think that's something that's beneficial for for anyone, especially if you are in need of clients. A right. lot of times I think it's looked at from the opposite perspective where it may be viewed like, well, oh, you know, I'm just starting off. I don't have enough money, so let me not put anything forward marketing. Well, you probably could get more money if you did a little bit more marketing, you know, it's so true. you kind of have to look at it from the opposite perspective sometimes. And I think that it's worth the investment. Some, some attorneys feel like they can save money and still get cases. And that's not true. I'm sorry. I said some attorneys feel that like, question I heard. That yeah, question I heard. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, some, some feel like they can save a lot of money or not spend any money and still get cases. And, and that is, that is you, impossible. You can. But um, you can. Anybody can get cases without doing anything at all. You know, grandma, aunt, uncle can refer a case to you every few months. And if that's the preference on how you prefer to, you know, work, then that may be your preference. Um, but I always like to um, have a a flow of cases that would be, you know, coming in. And I don't really accept every case either. Right. But you also want to have options. Doing marketing gives you options versus feeling like you have to take the case because you need the money versus you just really wanting to work on the case because you like what you see. Well, Ms. Palacio Wallace, you have been an incredible guest. I have enjoyed my time with you. I love to follow you on social media and see all the things that you're doing down there in Texas. Well, over there in Texas. I don't want to say down there. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you could, uh, give our audience, like give them your Instagram handle, your, your website address. I'd love for them to be able to check you out. People across the country. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram personally at B that's B as in Bravo E underscore the attorney for Instagram for Facebook is my first and last name, Valencia Wallace. And the firm on social media is at the Wallace Law on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then my website is www.thewallacelaw.com. I want to thank you for being an incredible guest. And I want to thank you to our listeners for giving us their most valuable asset, which is their time. If you feel this podcast has been great for you and it can be a resource for others, please like it and share it. And we would definitely appreciate it. Go to anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, 
any of those places. And we'd love a five-star review for you. I want to thank our guest, Belicia Wallace, one more time. And this has been the AdCast. If you feel this podcast has been a help to you or could be a help to others, please don't forget to subscribe. You can listen to our podcast anywhere, iHeart, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And this episode is also going to be available on YouTube. To catch up on past episodes, go to heyimeric.com, or you can always text me at 843-483-1555. Copyright VIP Marketing and Advertising, produced by Craft Creative. For premium video production and graphic design, visit WeCraftCreative.com.